You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. As we always do, let's start with the headlines. And stop me if you've heard this one before. But Major League Baseball, up to their old shenanigans, has made a new proposal to the players. And stop me if you've heard this one before. The players apparently hate it. I know. Out of nowhere. Such a shock. The latest proposal by Major League Baseball made on Monday, which was yesterday. It's hard to keep all the days uh, on track sometimes. But yesterday was Monday. They made their proposal. It calls for a 76-game regular season in which the players would get 75% of their prorated salaries. The union, meanwhile, of course, they have continued to maintain that they are demanding 100% of their prorated salaries. And I'm not a master negotiator. But I would guess any time in any venue that you make a proposal, and it's essentially the same as the last offer, and the last offer got shot down, the current offer immediately gets shot down, if not like laughed out of the room, I'd have to say that's probably not a great offer. But Major League Baseball continues to um, to uh, run through it. And by run through it, I mean the, the calendar. They continue to run off the days until eventually something is going to need to be done. And it's like that old uh, that old gag about a guy who walks into the store and says, well, you know, I would like a bagel and uh, a glass of milk. And the guy behind the counter says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we have no bagels today. So then Major League Baseball, all right, well, give me a bagel with a, a bottle of water. No, sir, we have no bagels. All right, I'll take a bagel with a cup of coffee. I mean, Major League Baseball continues to essentially make the same offer, and uh, it's not really all that surprising. Even as a, a as a rube, right, that's never been in th- these type of negotiations, uh, it's, it's not really all that shocking that it continues to get turned down. This time, uh, they also, interesting negotiating tactic, decided to throw in a new point, one that the players – almost certainly hate even more. That's that's a way to go, right? There's always throw anything out there that you want. Uh, this time, Major League Baseball also wants all the players to sign an acknowledgement of risk waiver that would absolve the league of the responsibility should a player have any complications related to, of course, COVID-19. Now, look, the situation is uh, is fluid, right? Things are, are continuing to uh, be talked about. And I guess the fact that at least Major League Baseball and uh, the players are continuing to talk, and by talk I mean uh, basically argue, that uh, at least the, uh, the lines of communication are open, even if those lines of communication are generally used to make proposals that have absolutely no chance of being accepted. Okay, so uh, let's hear from uh, some of the uh, baseball insiders. Uh, let's hear first from Jeff Passan. He was on Sports Center, and uh, this is this is actually why I'm actually more confident that there will be baseball in some form. And it's not because I have any confidence in the people that are going back and forth right now, coming up with some sort of you know breakthrough. I think that <laughs> I think that the the hope of a, any breakthrough has come. And it is gone. And it's gone so far that, like, if you're watching a ship sail away, it's even past the horizon at this point. But, you know, as part of that March agreement, Rob Manfred basically controls the schedule, right? Like, as long as the players are paid 
their full prorated salaries, which they have said from the beginning, that's what we're going to have to do, uh, the players would be obligated to show up. Now, look, I mean, some might not show up because they feel like that the risk is too high for them for whatever reason, either pre-existing condition or, or, or whatever it is. But the, the owners kind of have that, and Rob Manfred kind of has that in his back pocket. And so if it's 50 games, if it's 48 games, if it's 42 games, let's play 35 games. Hey, whatever. Uh, I think that they'll eventually get something done. But here's Jeff Passan on SportsCenter uh, yesterday talking about uh, the possibility of a 48-game season. Words from a high-ranking official today that were uttered to me, there will be baseball. If it happens, though, in the absence of a deal between the sides, it could be in the form of a 48-game season, which MLB has the ability to implement without the consent of the players. At that point, the players would just show up, play the game, file a grievance for the fact that MLB did not play a full season, and this thing would be fought out behind closed doors. Oh, goody, more fighting behind closed doors. Fantastic. Wonderful. Can we get um, uh, closed doors that have thicker walls so we don't have to hear about the bickering back and forth? That that would be great, too. Uh, Buster only. Just when you think, like, it's amazing. Baseball can find a way where every day it feels like, okay, this is the lowest point. And then the next day they come up with something. Oh, wait a sec. No, actually, this is the lowest point. And then yesterday they had the possibility of, of, of this waiver that uh, players would be kind of forced to sign. Uh, absolving Major League Baseball of any uh, legal issues if uh, they the players were to come down with COVID nineteen seems like an interesting negotiating tactic. One that I don't think is going to respond. You know, the players are going to respond to all that well. But uh, Buster only, I digress, was on the Michael K show yesterday, and he made it clear that you know, like it looks really bad right now, but wait. It can get worse. I've been saying that, like, the worst possible resolution for baseball is that there's no baseball this year. The second worst is that they have this 48-game plan rammed down the throat of the players because nothing would be resolved. All the larger fights would still be there. Coming into the week, my hope was is that the owners would step out because they got the bigger pile of cash, because they're the long-term stewards of the game. They would make the offer to get into the middle ground and that the players not only would respond to it, but perhaps perhaps begin to build something into the future. And to this point, we haven't seen it. You're exactly right. We could be right back having the exact same conversation potentially next spring, except we'll be closer to the end of the CBA, which is a greater complication. And I've had people on the player side talk about the possibility that, you know, next spring you might start to hear about strikes. Fantastic. Thanks, Buster. So there you go. There's the all the inside from uh, Major League Baseball. And look, I do think there will eventually be something, mainly because of that thing that other people have brought up, and it seems to make sense, that if push comes to shove, baseball, and by baseball I mean the owners, realize if they didn't have a season, it would be catastrophic for the sport. So they have to put something out there. And while you would think that at some point the level of embarrassment for the game would be a motivator for them to come up with something better than they've or- – apparently it's not. Shame is not a very good motivator in the, between the baseball players and owners. So I, I, I guess that eventually they will institute something, although that's not guaranteed. But here's the thing. Baseball, like people keep, keep saying, well, you know, baseball's blowing it. They've already blown it. It's over. Even if they have a season, this was 
set up perfectly for them. At, or at least maybe I shouldn't say perfectly because a pandemic is not perfect for anybody. It was set up for them to succeed. They had more advantages going into this than basically anybody else, at least in terms of the, the team sports. They would be, it seemed like, the most likely sport to be the first sport back, right? July 4th, they'd have the stage to themselves. They'd have the summertime, their time. Now, if they do return, or it, when they return, it will be for some uh, mini-season. I don't even know if it's a mini-season. Like, if you did the math, like, would you say, like, say it's 48 games. If the NFL played five regular season games, would that be a, a regular season? Would you consider that a regular season? Well, we, we played a mini season. Is that even a mini season at that point? I don't think so. If the NBA played 25 games, would you consider that a mini season? Or would that just be, I don't even know what the term would be. A mini, mini season. And look, they have me. I'm not saying that if they, whatever they play, if it's 30 games, if it's 40 games, if it's 50 games, they got me. They know they got me. I'm going to watch. But this wasn't supposed to be about me. This was supposed to be that the that this opportunity would be set up for them to grow the game, to introduce the game to new fans that might not be baseball fans, but because of the situation and the lack of, of other options, they would be lined up perfectly. They would have the stage to themselves. And how is that going? Well, look, I do think that it'll, they'll eventually get it done, mainly because baseball will just force it. But the opportunity that they had going into this and the and the things that Rob Manfred said when this first hit, uh, it's, it's pretty much clear it was all crap. And maybe that's part of the job that you just kind of go out there and you say these things. It seems pretty clear now that that was all part of the negotiating tactics of, you know, oh, we're going to be part of the healing process and baseball heals America. They can't even agree how to tie their shoes. So the opportunity that was there for them is gone. And now it's just a matter of how embarrassed are they going to be? It would be one thing you know, if the health situation was at a point where it was just too tough to overcome, no other league seems to be having those problems. I mean, look, there there's obstacles to overcome. But basically at this point, everybody is like, okay, this is what we're doing to get back, right? The NBA seems like they're lined up perfectly. The NHL is working towards that return. The PGA, the UFC, NASCAR, the NFL, boxing, Horse racing. I mean, it's, you would think that they would be able to read the room and care that they're being embarrassed. And look, there's a lot of people in sports that don't like baseball and it's low hanging fruit and they can, they can use that to hammer them time and time again. Like they'll make it out like they care that the sport is embarrassing themselves, but they love the fact that the sport is embarrassing themselves because they're not uh, they're not fans of the sport. So anything that they can use to kind of hammer that home, they love. They love. But you know what? While it might not, they, they might not be operating from a, a fairness point of view. They're absolutely right. Baseball has whatever criticism comes their way, whatever is said about them, even when they do return, because I do think that they will return. Uh, but they have 
all these things are and all the criticism is absolutely warranted on their point of view. All right, so that's the first headline, the baseball stuff, which I every day I say I'm not going to get all that wrapped up in that, but <laughs> I end up getting wrapped up in it. What do you what do you want from me? It's my weakness. Uh headline number 2. Number of articles on this Tuesday uh focus on a topic that we focused on yesterday about Colin Kaepernick and the uh, possibility of him returning to the NFL, the Daily News uh, has the back page today of uh, three destinations or three teams that should have interest in Colin Kaepernick. TMZ reports that Kaepernick is training like a maniac to be on an NFL roster this year, that he's in the best shape of his career. And uh, there's a number of articles today. As I said, the Daily News, three teams that should have interest. There was another story I saw, five teams that should have interest. Well, here's the problem. And it's something that we touched on yesterday. The first question is, does Kaepernick want to return to the NFL as a backup? That's the Daily News has it that, well, now that the uh, that Kaepernick and the NFL are on the same page, I would slow down on that being on the same page. Um, I don't know necessarily that they're that they're at that stage. Maybe they're in the same book. I don't know necessarily that they're in the same page. There's no team that is going to sign him as a starting quarterback like the NFL the uh, the Daily News the the NFL teams that they have listed the Pats Ravens and Chiefs well the last two are pretty obvious right those are backup situations he's not going to be the starter there and while the Pats it seems like any time that there's a quarterback that's available whether it be Andy Dalton before he found a home whether it's uh, Cam Newton as he tries to find a home it seems like everyone well you know the Pats that would seem like the perfect spot it seems at this point if the Pats wanted to improve on Jared Stidham, they had those possibilities. They had that option to do so. They, it seems like they're pretty content on going with Jared Stidham for whatever reason. And given their, their track record, given Bill Belichick's track record, you got to have to at least, you know, give him, he might be wrong, but at least at this point, you got to give him that option. You, you have to have some faith given the, the, the history of, of him as the head coach. The other teams, all the other teams that people are floating out there, Seattle, he would be a backup. Even the Titans, somebody, uh, one of the articles, oh, the Titans just signed Ryan Tannehill to a contract for a hundred million dollars. I mean, as I said, Cam Newton doesn't have a job right now. It's tough for him to find a spot that would not even have the option to be the starter walking in day one, but to get a chance to start at some point, like a likely place where, okay, he might not be the starter week one, but at some point he's going to start games for them. It's hard to find that spot for Cam Newton, never mind a guy who's not thrown an NFL pass the last three years. And then number three, the number three headline is we're running a little long. Explosive story in The Athletic that MLB claims that Angel Hernandez eavesdropped on an investigative call looking into why there was that game last July that was delayed for 14 minutes. There, uh, Of course, bad calls are what Angel Hernandez is known for. Uh, but Hernandez was the crew chief. There was a situation where the pitcher, the Rays had played, uh, and they, they removed their pitcher, put him at first base, so the Rays, as a result, should have lost their DH. And Hernandez apparently was unaware of that. He had been warned before the series about the possibility of this happening. Uh, baseball also has a, a long list of, of other things that they have uh, pointed out about Hernandez. He had asked Homer Bailey for 11 autographs. 
laughs after a game. Not just one, not two, 11. Seems like a very specific number. Here, could you sign these 11 baseballs for me? Uh, he also had three calls overturned on replay in four innings of a playoff game. Uh, I conducted my own investigation during the pandemic, and I found that Angel Hernandez is a terrible umpire. And it's not just that he's a terrible umpire. It's that he's belligerent. He goes out of his way to start confrontations. When more times than not, and this is not just for him, like generally when players argue balls and strikes, the players are almost always right. And unfortunately for Angel Hernandez, well, it's not unfortunate, he's doing it. He goes out of his way to start confrontations with the players when more times than not, he's the one that's at fault. Of course, knowing baseball, they'll probably have him come in and work on the next proposal to the players, seeing how well things are going so far. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the phone number. It's the Gordon Damer Show. We take you up until 6 o'clock. Our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. So I said, you know, the, the baseball, I just can't take it with the baseball anymore. So we we avoided the baseball for today's poll question. The NBA, there's only so many times I can ask you how who you want to be the Knicks head coach, so we didn't go that route. So we went with a little football. So coming up, I'll explain the poll question. We'll get into some other headlines of the day. Lots of stuff to do, including an art. Like, during the pandemic, all these reporters and writers have tried to find different sports angles to interest you with no games going on. There is a writer... In New York, who has come up with a series which has been absolutely fantastic. So I'll I'll tell you what that is coming up. Lots of stuff to do. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler waking up very, got the alarm going off very early, filling in for Brian Munguia, who is uh, taking a personal day today. But uh, Ty, how was that alarm going off this morning? Was all right, buddy? Listen, reunited and it feels so good. It's been it's been a long time. I, I was surprised when I texted you yesterday. You knew who I was. Yeah. New phone. <laughs> who it is? No, no, buddy. Look, I don't have that many friends. See, that's what you have going for you. And I don't know that you consider me a friend, but uh, I don't of have that many do. people reaching out during this time. So that's so. the only reason why you knew who I was. It's because you have such a limited grouping of friends. Well, it also comes up with your name. I. I, I put the, the, the contact information in there. I don't have anybody else that I know whose name is Ty. So, um, you know, that, but, that helped as well. But to answer your question, man, it's, it's, I, I feel good because, like I said, I hadn't worked with you in a while. So good to be back. It, it's, it's nice to work with me because he has not worked with me in a while. So the, the normal grinding down of the, the, the process of working with me, that does not that really did not become a factor today. He felt fresh. And, you know, when you wake up at this time for the first day, you're a little disoriented. So Ty is feeling good. That's that's nice. No, it's listen, 245, uh, waking up at 245 on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Not exactly something that you want to do. But when given the opportunity to work with the great Gordon Damer, I'm all for it. We can do this the next 6000 days and it'll never get old for me. Really? All right. Uh, I'll hold you to that. Um, the thing about waking up at this time is I always tell people, A, hardest part of the day is actually getting up out of bed. Once you have physically removed yourself from the bed, you didn't, you don't play that dangerous game of, you know, I'll hit, I'll turn off the snooze and I'll just lie here for a couple of minutes. That's a very dangerous game. As long as you don't do that, when you get up and physically you're out of bed, 
the day, it's all downhill. It's, it's, uh, it's, that's the hardest part of the day. Also, gen- I, I say this today, but it turned out not to be the case. You generally never sit in traffic, right? Like when you leave for the day, you'll be going in the opposite direction of most people when they're actually heading in for the day. And, um, you usually can go home to a nap, which is, look, any day you can get a nap. That's, uh, that's a good day. That's a good day. All right. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Thanks to uh, Ty for uh, being here today and uh, running the board and doing all that great stuff, as he always does. But uh, before I go any further, you know, I said uh, that there was this article series and everybody's tried to find a topic with no games going on. It's time to be creative, right? Try to find different things that, that people are interested in. And I don't know if anybody else has really been reading this. But Joel Sherman's Yankee series in the post about the early 90s teams that, the, you know, before the dynasty and what it was like back then. I think that that has probably been my favorite thing that anybody has come up with during the pan. It is fantastic. And, and one of the reasons why it's fantastic is it's hard to describe to younger Yankee fans what it was like when the Yankees were the joke of this town. They were the punching bag. They, I mean, they were just hated. George Steinbrenner was hated in those days. People think the Knicks right now, that it's never been like that. Trust me, the Yankees were as that bad or worse. They were as a, as much of a punchline, as much of a joke, as much as a, a running gag as anybody. And as much as everybody will crush James Dolan here, there, and everywhere, George Steinbrenner was despised in this town. And this was after being the owner that had success. Like, he was the owner when they won in the 70s. And yet, that was all gone by the 90s. And just to take a snippet, of Joel's, uh, I think he has like seven or eight or nine parts, and I don't know. Maybe he's working on this. Is going to turn into a book. If it does, I will be uh, I'll be ordering it because it's been fantastic. Uh, this is from his uh, his series. I think it was the first part. Uh, quote: Just how despised Steinbrenner was then is lost to time, but by uh, and by being cleansed to some degree by the late '90s dynasty. But in 1990. HBO briefly considered putting Steinbrenner on mock trial for crimes committed against a proud franchise, modeling it after a drama the network had aired two years earlier. That mock trial of Kurt Waldheim, the former secretary general of the United Nations on Nazi war crime charges. The president slash GM of WABC Radio, the flagship station of the network that actually broadcast Yankee games wrote an op-ed stating Steinbrenner was ruining the value of the team and must sell. And on the night that news broke that uh, Faye Vincent had suspended Steinbrenner for life, a spontaneous 90-second standing ovation broke out at Yankee Stadium. So overjoyed was the fan base that the boss would be booted. Uh, And look, keep in mind, that was before the time of, of Twitter and social media and everything else. So I, I guess people were kind of listening to news while the game was going on. It's probably impossible for anyone who was not alive or, or, or lived through that time to remember just how, uh, what the feeling was about George Steinbrenner and this stuff. The Yankee games aired on WABC and WABC had bumper stickers 
They were the flagship station. They had bumper stickers. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, that's not something you're ever going to see again. So if you're if you're a younger Yankee fan who didn't have to live through the uh, the, the really down times of the early '90s, uh, the uh, Oscar Azokar years, the uh, Chuck Carey years, the really bad times for the Yankees, uh, you could certainly um, that that uh, that series by Joel is uh, absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if he's going to turn it into a book or what, but uh, it has been uh, fascinating. And I think today is the last, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure. Uh, but one of the, it's, it's starting to wrap up, but it's been a really great series by Joel uh, in the New York Post. All right. So secondly, the other baseball point that I wanted to touch on, 1-800-919-ESPN, is that that Matt Harvey story from yesterday. There was a report that the Mets would have interest in bringing back Matt Harvey Look, I, I don't know where these stories come from or whatnot. That would be that, that would seem to be a really weird time to be thinking about that from a team standpoint, right? Like, we don't even know that there's going to be a season. The Mets, every single day, it seems like there's a fresh report that somebody is interested in buying the franchise. And I'm not saying that that means that none of no other business takes place, but to be to have a conversation about bringing back Matt Harvey. Boy, oh boy, that seems like a player who does not have a lot of interest in him at the major league level trying to stir up, uh, or maybe his agent trying to stir up some interest to see, or see if there's any interest. That does not make a whole lot of sense because, at least in part, and I guess mainly part, uh, it seems like he's done. It's, I mean, the last time that we saw Matt Harvey pitch, he was a shell of his former self, and it's a shame that uh, that he had to undergo that thoracic outlet surgery, but it the, the track record of that surgery, it's almost like you're better off not having it, even though it, it you kind of need it because it seems like guys coming back from that are never the same. Like for all the talk about Tommy John and and, and the process of coming back from Tommy John, we've seen countless guys come back from Tommy John and if not be better, certainly be good to great again. The guys coming back from thoracic outlet surgery and Chris Archer, who's kind of been on the uh, the, the downside of things here the last couple of years ever since that trade, uh, he's now going to undergo that. And, and you hope that he's able to recover from it because the track record, as I said, not very good at all. All right, so uh, that's the baseball stuff, 1-800-919-ESPN. As I said, uh, we, we can't do any more baseball poll questions. We've run them into the ground. People are, are fed up. They're much like the uh, the old bumper sticker. They're mad as hell, and they're not going to take it anymore. Uh, and I can't ask any more Nick questions uh, because the, the draft is still a long way away. It's pretty clear Tom Thibodeau is going to be the Knicks coach. You just have to get on board with that. If you're not, that's, so be it. So let's do a little football on a Tuesday, right? Our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, just about 50 days, a little under 50 days. I think it's 46 days for the Giants, 48 days for the Jets. Um, till training camps are scheduled to open. Obviously, things are fluid right now, could always be pushed back. But uh, Bleacher Report had an article about which New York quarterback is facing more pressure. And yes, they only included two. There are two New York I, – I understand the Buffalo Bills play in the state of New York. That's not really New York. If we were creating the United States right now, Buffalo would not be in the same state as Manhattan. Nobody nobody from Manhattan says, you know what, let's, uh, let's go for a little drive. Let's go drive to Buffalo. You could drive to Baltimore. I believe you could drive to Baltimore and back 
in the same amount of time that it would take you to drive to Buffalo. So while technically it's in the state of New York, when you're talking about the New York quarterbacks, you're talking about Sam Darnold and you're talking about Daniel Jones. So Bleacher Report had this article about which quarterback do you think is facing more pressure heading into this season? Is it year three of Sam Darnold or is it year two of Daniel Jones? So coming up, uh, I'll give you my answer to the poll question. It's up on Twitter. At Gordon Damer, we'll have a moment of inspiration for this Tuesday morning. So still lots to do. But hey, have you turned your man cave into your home office? Well, starting Monday, we're giving listeners the chance to upgrade their work at home experience. Yesterday was Monday. So we're already doing it. The chance to upgrade their work at home experience with an Amazon Echo will give you three chances a day between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. to win a smart speaker for your home office to enter. Simply email us a photo of your work from home setup at 98.7 FM at ESPN.com. That's 98.7 FM at ESPN.com. It's all from the smartest station in the game. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. And now Ricky leads off the bottom of the 13th against Graham Lloyd and takes a strike. Henderson, Alfonso, and remember now, the pitcher is in the third slot. John Olerud having the place as part of the double switch. Hey, Bobby Valentine, the dugout. Wait. <laughs> well, Bobby was thrown out on that catcher's interference call, and he's gone incognito. Sorry, Skip, we got you. All right, so obviously uh, Howie Rose, Fran Healy, uh, the call there. Was that Sports Channel back then? Was that uh, how long? I mean, that's 21 years ago. Tw- that's 21 years ago. My goodness, time is just flying by. So your moment of inspiration, uh, obviously the date uh, that Bobby Valentine got ejected and then uh, came back with the, the mustache and the glasses and um, was not uh, was not spotted by the umpire, so he, I guess he got away with it there. I think he was eventually uh, suspended for a game or two as a result of that or something like that. He probably fined a little bit of money, too. But uh, obviously um, a, a memorable moment there. So um, that uh, happened on this date back in 1999. But it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. All right, so the poll question, before we head out to the phones, one 800 919 ESPN is the phone number. Uh, the poll question for today up on Twitter at Gordon Damer about, uh, and, and today I don't know what the counter was up to, but poll questions without a typo. Oh, well, we, we had a good run going there, but, uh, I guess the, uh, the coffee was not flowing quite quickly enough because I have one in there today. But, uh, the, the basic point is NFL training camp set to begin, not being. Begin in less than 50 days. Which quarterback do you think has more pressure heading into the season? This one's a blowout so far. And I think, you know what? Rightfully so. It's year three of Sam Darnold with the Jets. It's year two of Daniel Jones with the Giants. And clearly, the pressure should be on Sam Darnold. Now, that's not to say that Daniel Jones doesn't have any pressure. There's things that he has to work on. Uh, but I think that the things that he can work on are much more correctable uh, than the things that uh, that Sam Darnold has to to work on. Uh, there's a lot of things in Sam Darnold's uh, that need to be corrected that are kind of out of his control. And at least from the outside, it does not. I know Jet fans think that if this season does not go well, and I don't know what expectations are, you know, six seven wins. Um, 
you know, if you're expecting nine, ten wins this year, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if they were to get seven, eight wins this year, um, I think that most people would be satisfied for that. But if they don't get that, if they get, if they want five and eleven this year, I think a lot of Jet fans think, oh well, then obviously the coach is going to be gone. I, I don't get that sense. I don't get that sense at all. So this is year three for Sam Darnold, and we kind of expected last year for there to be that that major step forward kind of out of his control because of the weirdness of the situation with the mono. It's tough to blame him for that. It's not like he uh, he suffered some sort of injury. It was an ailment and, and a weird one at that, not usually one that's typical. So uh, I think you give him a little bit of a pass for, for, for that last year. And then, you know, Jets finished the season strong or a lot stronger than it was the beginning. So uh, I think that there are heightened expectations and the amount of love that Sam Darnold gets in the media about, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, Dan Orlovsky's of the world and everything else, I think it's about time to not say put up or shut up, but it has to be, I think, a pretty major step forward in year number three. We've seen, you know, that's the typical year that most guys take that, that major step forward. Some happen in year two, but if it hasn't happened by the end of year three, it's it's pretty rare that you ever take that major step forward. There are some cases. It's not uh, nothing is is absolute. I think Eli Manning was a, a was a good example. It took Eli a long time before he really took that major step forward. Drew Brees is another example of a guy. It took a few years. It didn't happen in the first two years for him to take that major step forward. But more times than not, if you have not done that by year three, if you are not established as one of you know, whatever you're going to be by year three, it usually doesn't happen. Uh, or you're established in, in being what you are. So this is, I think, clear. Uh, I don't think it necessarily it's going to be the, the closest poll question. I don't think it deserves to be the uh, closest poll question. So uh, I would say it's not even close for me. It has to be Sam Darnold. Uh, and at least so far, three out of four people agree. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I haven't gotten any calls in yet today, but uh, let's start that out right now with Scott in Georgia. Scott, what's going on, my man? Hey, how are you doing? Love your show. Thanks, man. Hey, what's up? I, I was talking about your uh, about that bumper sticker you were talking about. I'm mad as hell I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. That tagline came from a movie in the 70s called Network. Yes, absolutely. That, yep, Faye Dunaway, uh, uh, William Holden. Yeah. Right. Hilarious movie. I've always loved that tagline, too, because it, it certainly fits in a lot of situations. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't, Yeah, I, I mean, that was mid-80s or early 90s no, that they came out with that bumper sticker. Oh, so oh, okay. I'm not sure, you know, that uh, that that line has kind of uh, – I don't know if I've ever seen that movie, but I know that that line is from that movie, so it's kind of like transcended right. the movie. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know that why what they would have necessarily uh, went that route with the the tagline back then, but it did. It was fitting because Yankee fans were. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 it they seems were, like everybody now thinks that out. James Dolan, you know, embarrasses the Knicks or what. You know, James Dolan mm-hmm. doesn't really say a whole lot. He's he's not he's not in the public eye. George Steinbrenner no, no, back not. then, it was like every single day <laughs> he was doing something that was. That contradicted what he did the day before, you know? So, yeah, it definitely right. seemed like a circus back then, and that line definitely fit. Right, great. Hey, thank you much for your show. We love it. All right, Scott, thanks, man. I appreciate it. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Yeah, I mean, look, um, back then, it might, it might be lost to time, or it might be because there's enough young fans that don't remember it. Um, George Steinbrenner, it was like clockwork. 
uh, he would he would do something or say something that would get headlines and it just kind of fed into the um, it fed into the 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 perception of the Yankees being this like rudderless ship that was being run into the ground by the owner of the team. And, you know, people, I think, point out the 80s. The Yankees had some good players in the 80s. By the time the 90s hit, it was not just that they didn't have a good team. They had traded away prospect after prospect for established players who came here and weren't very good. And, um, yeah, if George had not gotten suspended and Gene Michael taken over, that who knows what the uh, reputation, you know, it, it, because of the winning of the, the late 90s, uh, before he passed away, George Steinbrenner's reputation as this ultimate winner, it was, it was reborn. But there was a time in this town, it, it was, uh, it was, it was nowhere close to that. And in terms of hated sports figures, a lot of times it's people that play the game. At a time, it was clearly George Steinbrenner. And as I said, you know, the fact that uh, when he got suspended, the fact that people at Yankee games were celebrating with a standing ovation shows you and tells you just um, what the uh, perception around George was at that time. Hey, um, the ESPYs have always celebrated hope, service, and perseverance. This year, more than ever, we want you to celebrate with us. 98.7 ESPN is honoring two athletes in our area who lost their senior seasons due to the pandemic by giving them an honorary ESPY award. To nominate a deserving local athlete, send us an email at 98.7 FM at ESPN.com with the subject line ESPY. Again, that's 98.7 FM at ESPN.com. Write a brief message about who you are nominating and why. We'll choose the winning athletes Monday, June 22nd, the day after the ESPYs air on ESPN. It's all brought to you by 98.7 ESPN. And make sure to catch the 2020 ESPYs presented by Capital One Sunday, June 21st. The countdown begins at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We've been uh, kind of touching on uh, the baseball stuff, which uh, the latest details there are pretty much the same details as before. It's it's going to shock you. But there was a new proposal presented by the owners yesterday to the players. And I know this is going to come as a surprise. It was basically laughed out of the room. It was uh, calling for a 76-game regular season in which the players would receive 75% of their prorated salaries. And look, I'm not going to tell you that I'm a master negotiator. My dealings with my wife would tell you otherwise. But I know that if you have one side that says this is an absolute deal breaker, we will not do anything without this first and foremost thing, whatever that thing is. Well, then that's where you have to start. At least start with that and then work your way backwards. So the players have been adamant that they will not play for anything less than 100% of their pro-rated salaries. So until baseball comes up with some sort of proposal that pays the players 100% of their pro-rated salaries, I'm guessing that things are not going to go anywhere. And for all the people that will talk about, well, you know what, they just got to get in a room and close the door and lock the door and shut off the phone. No, it's not about being in the same room they're not even remotely close on what the other one wants. And until you focus on what the other one wants and then try to work your way back, I think, that, that nothing's going to get close. Now, the, the, the thing is, is that the, the, the owners have this thing in their back pocket, and Rob Manfred has this thing in his back pocket, 
and everybody kind of knows it, is that a part of that March agreement was that that baseball controls the schedule as long as the players are paid their prorated salaries. So if baseball wants to come up with something where they're only going to play 50 games, but they're going to pay the players 100% of the prorated salaries for 50 games, the players are, are pretty much obligated to show up. So if it's 50 games, 42 games, whatever it is, um, it seems like that that's the road that's going to happen. It doesn't seem like there's going to be a breakthrough in negotiations. It's going to be, if there is baseball, and that's not guaranteed, although I think more and more people, we heard from Jeff Passan in the the opening segment, that uh, there is more confidence that there will be baseball. It's all, Leave it to baseball to come up with something where they alienate more people, including the people in the game, with whatever they actually come up with. And what's important to to... Say it's today, say it's tomorrow, say it's a week from now. Whenever it is that baseball comes up with an agreement, assuming they do, people will say, well, at least they saved themselves. No, they didn't. They have screwed it up. This was set up perfectly for them. They were set to have the stage all by themselves, and they have blown that opportunity. Even if they return, what they are returning to is not what they had the opportunity to have which was to actually grow the game, be the one option that was out there from a sports point of view. When they return, if they return, they're going to be returning with everybody else. There's not going to be anything special. The NBA is going to be backed by them. The NHL is probably going to be backed by them. The PGA is going to be backed by them. The UFC has been back. NASCAR has been back. And whenever they do return, assuming it's late July or whenever, it's not going to be long until the NFL is back. So baseball, for whatever they end up doing, they, I mean, forget about, you know, being embarrassed and all those type of things. They've screwed it up. They've already screwed it up. It's already done. The ship has sailed. So uh, any chance of them actually fixing things is already gone. But our poll question, which is up for today, so we didn't do baseball. We didn't do anything NBA. It's all about uh, Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. And Sam Darnold, at least we're finding something that he is uh, able to win uh, very easily. It's uh, this poll question today about having more pressure on him heading into the season. Now, Ty Butler, who is filling in for Brian today, usually debates me about, uh, you know, Sam Darnold. Is there anything you want to, is there anything I got wrong today in, in regards to Sam Darnold? When I'm looking at your sound page, there's a certain element I can't find. You are a verified Sam Darnold hater. I don't see it. Maybe Brian deleted it. How am I saying? He, I'm saying that. Well, look. If you have pressure on it, it's because you have expectations. You, but you think Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Darnold? I don't think. Did anyone, I say that today? No, but you do think it though. You do look, think that we've had multiple we are running conversations. Out of time. I did not say that today in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I would just say he had a better rookie season than Sam Darnold did. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.